You're listening to Once, episode 181, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. We're happy to have you joining us. Thank you very much for your support in the podcast awards. I'll tell you more about that in a moment, but we're nominated in the finalists for best produced. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you more about that later, but you can go to <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to get the spoilers. Now, we have rewatched and prepared a lot to discuss here with this episode, Darkness on the Edge of Town. But before we talk about that, Aaron, did you get to see the special that was before the episode on Sunday? I did not. Unfortunately, I just decided that it might be like all the other specials that they had aired and decided I was not going to be able to watch it. You know, I thought that too. So I initially didn't watch it. Jeremy and I didn't watch it on Sunday, but I have watched it since then. And we'll have a link in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 181 if you want to watch it. And if your local cable internet provider or whatever internet provider you have lets you watch it. It was a great special it had a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. It was called Secrets of Storybrooke, and it was really cool. It presented all of this background information. It was narrated by Jennifer Morrison. It had awesome things going on in it and cool little background stories. Like One of the little tidbits that we got from it is that even the cast of Once Upon a Time in the first season they thought the curse wouldn't be broken until the end of the series. <laughs> Just really? like we thought, yeah. So it was a little bit of a surprise to them when they get the scripts for the last few episodes and they see what the curse is broken. <laughs> so that was cool. And some of the other things. So if you can watch it, definitely watch it. It has a lot of great behind the scenes stuff. I really do agree. This is the best behind the scenes special that they've made thus far before showing us the episode on tv so check that out it's called secrets of storybook i would guess it'll be on the dvds and blu-rays when those are available later this year and when they are you can purchase them from onespodcast.com slash season four or we'll have links eventually in the show notes for the episodes that we do <laughs> but let's discuss this episode darkness on the edge of town starting with the past that we see as everyone is summoned to the Forbidden Fortress. And the first thing that I like to think about whenever we see the past is where does this fit in the timeline? <laughs> I think when we see many years ago, that's a hint that... It's in the past. Well, that this happened probably before the Snow White and Charming story mm. began. Yeah. So everything we see here, I think, was before Belle with Rumple before maybe the whole Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent thing. So maybe that's why Maleficent is all Angelina Jolie still. <laughs> because maybe she changed to what we see in season one after the whole Sleeping Beauty thing happens. Please note, they are not calling her Maleficent in Once Upon a Time. They are calling her Maleficent <laughs> oh, and it is driving gosh. me crazy. I know. I know. It is Maleficent. They just brought out a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, they also spelled Rumpelstiltskin differently. Oh. Rumpelstiltskin yeah. is supposed to be P-E-L. 
but they spell it like an American would spell it. It's P-L-E. <laughs> yeah. They're Americanizing things, I guess. Or maybe they're just not allowed to use the spelling. I don't know. <laughs> what confused me about where you put it in the timeline is just that we've already had like that interaction with Cruella when Rumpel was with Belle. I guess that's after this, but sorry. For some reason, I thought that that wouldn't work with the timeline, but I think now it would. Well, and I think that that interaction that they had helps give more light to this, that that is what we're referring to is just before this, the episode before this, when Belle was led to that edge of the cliff from Neverland and all of the props people will get that. And when (laughs) Rumpel then interacted with the Queens of Darkness there, the stuff that they were referring to that happened before is this that we got to see today. I don't think Rumpel has interacted with these three Queens of Darkness at all since these events. Okay, that makes more sense then. Which also leads a little more in the direction of understanding why Rumpel had to get Prince Charming to put that egg with the true love potion in it inside of Dragon Maleficent. Maleficent. Because Rumpel wouldn't be welcome in that castle. And he couldn't just go in and say, hey, Maleficent, would you swallow this? That's true, because <laughs> he kind of did the the villain thing today in this episode. Oh, yeah. I was a little disappointed that Cruella did not have Dalmatians. She had, I don't even know what those dogs were, Rottweilers? Yeah. I think you're right. Which did- are German, I think, a German breed. And she seems German-esque. German? Maybe. British. Yeah. <laughs> But she can't be from fictional London because she's all magical. Well, maybe she took a hiatus in fictional London in the backstory we might get later. I don't know. I, I expected Dalmatians for Cruella de Vil. Well, she turns though. She wears those. True. Yeah, they're not house pets. What do you suppose compelled Ursula to come when summoned if she had been <laughs> eluding basically all living things as far as we know because no one had seen her for thousands of years yeah and i feel like you can't stay that hidden if some unknown entity summons you and you just come running unless you're just hanging out being a golden statue on someone's dancing area a la ariel (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah that's a good point i'm sure rumpelstiltzing pretending to be somebody else can be very convincing. It reminds me of the old movie Clue, where they're all summoned and they don't know really who summoned them or who is the main bad guy who's holding them all ransom and or blackmailing them and all of that. I think from this episode, we get the setup for what the whole rest of the story arc will be. We're villains. And it's time the villains got their happy endings. So this, I would dub this story arc for this half of the season. The villains get their happy endings to season. (laughs) Which season hasn't been that? True. Well, it's been a lot, not so much about getting their happy endings, but about redemption. That's what the other villains have been discovering, like Hook and Regina have been redeemed or they've been working to redeem themselves. And it is a constant struggle to overcome their failures and their problems. But I think with Rumpel and these Queens of Darkness, I think that their goal is to remain villains 
and still get their happy endings. Yeah. Like Regina is pursuing her happy ending after working on redemption. Right. They've got it the other way around. They're doing this fake redemption thing. Right. And then they just, it's like they want to steal their happy. Really, I think that's basically what they want to do is steal happy endings. Well, that's what Regina started out doing. Yeah. Yeah. The only happy ending will be mine. Well, and she also said, I was always just the queen before. It's you who added evil. So it's like they don't think they're evil in their own mind. And so they think they actually deserve happiness. So it's a weird discourse that's happening because that's always kind of been the show. Like evil isn't born, it's made. Oh, but is it really evil is kind of the question now. Like not, it's not a question to us, but it's to them. Like Rumpelstiltskin does not seem to think that there's anything wrong with his actions over and over and over again. So he thinks that he deserves happiness and that's what he's kind of going for. And that has, that has been a recurring theme in the show. I was at first I typed, oh, so now suddenly when Henry's looking Mm -hmm. for the author of the book, the villains are on the same page. But then I remember a line from season one where Regina said like, this is my happy ending. So that's kind of always been what they've been striving for. Yeah, that is true. When they met inside of Maleficent's little grand hall there, which is the same hall where the evil queen had come to talk to Maleficent when she stole the dark curse from Maleficent, that whole thing. That's the same hall there. But it was revealed that each of them have a secret. And it's not just they Mm. want their happy endings. Rumpel knows what their secrets are. I think that... The backstories and flashbacks that we're going to see over the Hmm. course of the next 10 episodes are going to be showing us what those things are that each of them want. I liked that. That was a good fish hook. Like, I want to know (laughs) now. Fish hook? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) A dragon claw? Oh, I just got that, (laughs) That was, yeah. (laughs) I really want to know what they want because every villain has wanted kind of the same thing but you know a little bit different because of their backstory so i'm curious i want to know tell me now they just want everything i'll give you a kitsis and horowitz answer well you'll just have to keep watching and see (laughs) maybe season seven i'd be really disappointed (laughs) if we didn't find out the answer to that you know what i'm still disappointed about some of the things they've said that too (laughs) right yep secret secrets welcome to once upon a time I think the exchanges between Rumpel and Cruella are officially my favorite part of the story arc so far. Oh, really? Yeah. That's just their particular dialogue. Like he's bantering with everybody, but with her, it's sort of... It's really good. ...unique and witty in general. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Although she did shake her head very hard, and that was not my favorite moment <laughs> when she was getting in his face. But everything else. There was a lot of witty dialogue tonight in this episode. Yeah, Regina coming out with her little cliches or uh, puns. Yeah. Let's clip that bat's wings and other <laughs> stuff. I think that they cast Cruella perfectly. I know I said this a couple episodes of the podcast ago, but it's been a while. She looks like Cruella should look. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. She does. Uh, for this part, I mean, like not like she looks perfect, but she's perfect she looks for the part. Perfect. <laughs> Those eyebrows. When they go to steal the dark curse, A big highlight for me, because whenever we deal with things that tie back in with actual season one story or like the premise of this whole series, when we tie back in with those things, that's when I tend to get excited. 
because it reminds me of our origins with this story and <laughs> how this our whole origins. series started. Yeah. You know, going after the dark curse. And I want to know more about the dark curse. And also I want to know more about the book, the author of the book. So those two things are really cool. I have a feeling this might be the only time we get to see anything more about the dark curse for well, this season. Well, it depends on who wrote it and if they decide yeah. to go into that this year. Because that was a pretty big revelation for us, right? Like we didn't know until this episode. I didn't know until this episode that the dark curse didn't originate with Rumple. Mm. They all called it his curse, right? Well, there was at one point when he was angry with Blue Fairy back when they went through the bean hole. I do remember him saying something like, I will search for something. I'll find a curse. Something like that, where he's basically saying, I'll not create one, I'll find one. Right. And I think there was some other dialogue somewhere, I can't remember when, where he did say something about finding, not inventing. Yeah, the, the details are foggy with me at the moment, but I didn't feel that that was... I feel like we've questioned who wrote it before, at the very least. And, and here's a kind of way to look at the the words is, if I follow a recipe and make a cake, I created that cake, but I didn't invent that cake. Someone else invented the recipe for that cake. I'm the one that created the cake from the recipe. Or souffles. The souffle isn't the souffle. The souffle <laughs> is the recipe. Yes. <laughs> but this bald mountain thing... I watched this part of Fantasia from the 1940 version and Night at Bald Mountain is, for one thing, it's a musical piece by a Russian guy whose name I will not try to pronounce. Thank you. And <laughs> Night at Bald Mountain was the freakiest part of Fantasia. I mean, like, it's so weird and freaky. I would almost say, don't let your kids watch that part of Fantasia. <laughs> it's weird. It's too weird and freaky for your kids. Like, it's. Was there a giant glowy eyed winged beast thing yes. in it? He oh. was the top of Bald Mountain, and that's Chernobog. And it's spelled in different ways too, which is actually a Slavic deity. And Chernobog is this creature in Fantasia that looks just like we see him in Once Upon a Time. And he's at the top of this mountain, Bald Mountain. And what happens at night, and apparently this happens every night at Bald Mountain, is that all of the dead souls from the city at the foot of the mountain come up to the top of the mountain and there's dancing, there's squashing and fire and <laughs> odd pits of fire, very similar to what we see <laughs> here in Once Upon a Time. All of this, I mean, not the dancing part, but the pits of fire, all of this stuff happening. And then there's some sound which signals day is coming. And then that's when all the dead go back to their homes. And when Chernobog is like, oh, really? Do I have to? And then he goes back to the mountaintop and becomes the mountaintop. Good it's a grief. really weird weird part of Fantasia. Makes you never want to climb a mountain. At least not all the way. Yeah. So there goes that nun's advice. Sound of music. But I'll bump. Every time they talk about what Chernobog does, they're so specific. And I think it's it's almost like too much of a stretch because of how specific they're having to be. Not that it seeks out the darkest soul. Oh. But it, yeah. I quote, seeks out the heart with the greatest potential for darkness. Huh? Mm -hmm. It's, uh, well, yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. What's, what's, uh, too specific about it? To me, it's specific because of where I think they're going to take the storyline. Because yeah. it's not the darkest heart, it's 
whoever could be the darkest heart if they so chose to be. Realistically, that can be anyone. We all have the potential to be the darkest, most evil person ever. Do we? I think so. I mean, the potential. Like, Mm. we could. We're a few decisions away from doing horrible, wicked, disastrous things. But equal potential. Yeah, is it equal? Yeah, Yeah. equal. Yeah. Uh, And it's going on. Semantics. What makes two identical people who went through two identical circumstances and one turns totally dark and one turns into a saint? What makes them, them equal from the beginning? Maybe there is something that makes them, right? Yeah. Go the other way. In a way, and, and or that influences their decisions. Because I think it is it does come down to personal decisions. And I think yeah. that's what we're going to see here in Once Upon a Time is that, as we know, Emma is the one apparently with the the heart with the greatest potential for darkness (laughs) is that makes me think she's going to face a lot of decisions in this season to potentially go dark, or she might even start to borrow the phrase flirt with the darkness a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to make a one scene prediction at some point. This is probably not accurate, but Emma's heart could be removed Probably only by herself, given what we've seen. Yeah. And it's completely black. You know, not now, but by the end of the season. Yeah, we never have seen her heart. No. <laughs> Which is rare for a character on Once Upon a Time. <laughs> we've, just, <laughs> we've just seen her Care Bear stare the most evil person away from her heart. I mean, how strange is it that as we start to talk about various characters' hearts, I can picture them. <laughs> Henry, Snow, Regina. Hook. Right. Yeah, his was nothing special. I don't remember that one. It was kind of cool to see the three witches work together. And although Maleficent thought for a moment that they were going to abandon her, they didn't. They really had more honor than Rumpelstiltskin, even though they are (laughs) the queens of darkness. That's true. So you call them witches, but they aren't really all witches, are they? Are they even really queens? Well, they're definitely not queens, (laughs) except in their own mind. Maybe Ursula... But not really. What is she queen of? The sea. Well, apparently the sea. I well, don't know. Well, she is known as the sea. Well, she's known as the sea witch. She is. And I think somewhere else she might have also been called the queen. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I might be mixing that up with different stories. But uh, <laughs> Maleficent has this castle, Forbidden Fortress. But just because she do- has a castle doesn't mean she's a queen. In the Disney story, Maleficent was a fairy not a queen, just an evil fairy. Oh, true. And and really, in the basic story of Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent was not a queen, if I remember correctly. Nope. She was just Maleficent. Yeah. She was misguided. And then we have uh, Cruella de Vil, whom we don't know. Why is she even in the Enchanted Forest? Why is she magical? Why does she have that green breath? Yeah. But by the way... That girl should totally do commercials for Terminex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's kind of what it looked like. I think I'm the most interested in Cruella's backstory because it is the one that is likely going to stray the furthest from what we know of the Disney movie. Right. Because A, she's already magical. B, she's not in London or fictional London. And as of yet, she's not hanging out with Dalmatians. I can't wait to see her meet Pongo. <laughs> oh, that that probably will happen. Because you know they've got to do that. 
Pongo is in town. Pongo's gonna like freak out. And- Can we assume they have history? <laughs> what if all of this time Pongo is actually someone that Cruella Deville cursed to be a dog? Mm, she and seems to we have... get to see Pongo turned into a person in this. She uh, seems to park. be able to influence the weak minds of animals and other non-humanoid creatures. I don't think she can curse anything. I'm yeah. assuming. She just kind of has that bad breath that makes animals do what she wants. Or maybe it's good breath. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Speaking of good breath, I want to thank some people who bring a breath of fresh air to this podcast. (laughs) Our people who donate very consistently, so consistently that it helps keep the servers running. And yes, we're going to have to throw some more money at the servers to make them run a little bit better because we've been having some issues lately. But Special thanks to David Newland, Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, Tappan Bird, Laura Silva, and Mark Stapleton, and our 11 backers on Patreon. Thank you very much for your kind support. We really could not do this without you. If you'd like to donate to the podcast and have your name immortalized with a very bad segue, as everyone else enjoys, then please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. You can donate a one-time donation like Mark did, or you can make a monthly donation like several of these others do, or you can do a per episode donation through Patreon. Whichever way works best for you, any amount can really help us a lot. So please go over to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. There's something else too that we want you to check out Another thing that you could support that gives you something really awesome. Erin, tell us about what that is. So as you guys know, hopefully, I help run Ugly Ducklings, Inc. And um, that is like Jennifer Morrison kind of inspired that. But we're currently doing a charity drive and Jennifer Morrison autographed a bunch of things for us. So we're doing a raffle for that. And all the funds go to support Mental Fitness, Inc., which is a really amazing charity in the States that educates kids in schools about like body image and self-esteem and healthy coping mechanisms, eating disorders, and just being healthy in your body and your mind. If you go to UglyDucklingsInc.com, you can just read the, it's the top blog right now all about the prizes. Um, There's like an autographed pirate ugly duckling rubber duck thing and an autographed New York City rubber ducky and um, some of the magazines and um, some bracelets and stuff that are all autographed that Jennifer Morrison did for us. So it's we're really excited. And um, yeah, hopefully people can support. That is awesome. You've got several different ticket prices that are very affordable and also uh, different ways that people can participate in this. That's an awesome little thing that you're doing. So we'll have a direct link to that to specifically to this post in case it gets lost among other blog posts and such. But we'll have a link to that in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 181. And if you're trying to decide, oh, what should I do? Support this awesome podcast I really love? Or should I (laughs) support Ugly Ducklings? Or as it's been previously known as Ugly Dugglings? Then (laughs) put your money over at Ugly Ducklings and support them. And I'll tell you about a free way that you can support the podcast. Put your money where their beak is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that should be their slogan. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. What you're doing there is really awesome. I think a a very important thing, especially in today's age. And we really appreciate, I'm speaking for the world now. We really appreciate (laughs) what you're doing there with Ugly Ducklings, Inc. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So check that out at (laughs) UglyDucklingsInc.com. Or, and that's INC, by the way. Or in the show notes, we'll have a direct link to that at 
oncepodcast.com slash 181. So now let's talk about the present. We've got two things going on in the present, the story as it's happening in Storybook and as it's happening like everywhere else. I like this little <laughs> montage that they gave us at the beginning that just kind of reminds us of where we were, what's changed in the last six weeks, like the fact that Regina is now mayor again, and Mary Margaret is back to teaching with birds. Cue the classic, right. remember, you're building a home, not a cage reference. Well, I liked that the whole theme of that scene was passing the passing of time in Storybrooke, and they started it with the first signal we ever had that time was even moving in Storybrooke, which was the clock moving from 8.15 to 8.16. That was cute. I really liked the montage because I watched them film it when I was in BC. It took Lucky. hours hours for them to film that montage all the outdoor stuff and then it was 30 seconds of the episode now you mentioned that the longest you mentioned to us behind the scenes that the longest thing was the school bus part of that montage is that right that was so long because every single time they had to reshoot that scene they had to back up the bus and then they had to clear like the road and then the bus had to drive up again as Henry and Regina were walking out. What were they doing wrong? <laughs> I don't I think it's just different angles and oh, stuff they had to get. It's amazing. It was cool. I was not expecting it to just be a montage in silence the stuff we were watching cuz they all had lines that, that they were saying. Oh, interesting. So yeah, yeah, the more I learn about video production, because if you haven't heard, The Ramen Noodle, our clean comedy podcast, is going from being an audio show to being a video show. That's what season four will all be as video episodes. So it's mostly I, going to be us standing in front of school buses yeah. and not saying anything <laughs> and just doing it over and over <laughs> and over. But I learn about these certain things and techniques like you can film an entire movie with one camera. You just have to redo, redo, redo scenes over and over and over again and just position the camera in different places. Yep. Then yeah. you piece it all together and it looks like you've got cameras all over the place. Hopefully. That's why yeah. you may notice certain minor differences when there are cuts, like someone may be holding something and then in the next cut they're not. That's because some of that slight inconsistency when you're redoing takes over and over with different cameras or same cameras. Mm -hmm. But the montage also showed several of the villains stores it's like why is it the villains seem to have all of these great stores any given sunday was still there it's right yeah. next to granny's it's closed now uh, the meat chop shop i couldn't tell whether it was open or closed should be closed but that woman was terrible yeah bo Pete. wow jeremy well she was yeah she presumably still runs it i mean i associate her with a meat cleaver very closely in my mind and not because she was properly preparing meat she yeah <laughs> And uh, also, we saw Gold Shop there closed, obviously. One of the things that I know in a previous episode of the podcast, when the curse of Shattered Sight hit, I mentioned that, hey, who's that black guy dressed in all white there in the middle of the street? It looks like all the waitresses from Granny's Diner are assaulting him. <laughs> and in this montage, we see that same guy and he's walking almost like, I think, arm in arm or just right next to one of the waitresses from Granny's Diner. He's probably the chef, one of the chefs from Granny's Diner. And it looks like they're friends again. Aww. So I'm guessing they were co-workers and that's why they were fighting after the curse of Shattered Sight. But all that just from a montage. Yeah. And I remember you saying that and I was like, black, white and red. 
And I knew Cruella was coming and we didn't yet. So I couldn't say anything. <laughs> I'd known also that Cruella was as coming. Because, <laughs> yeah, some spoilers are just impossible to avoid as much as we try to. That's true. I unfriend people. Oh. Warning. Period. Warning you people. Just unfriend people. <laughs> <laughs> I unfriend people who post spoilers on my Facebook. <laughs> yeah. One of the places that this montage ended up then is on this board of clues that Herc and Belle are working together to try and figure out how to bring the fairies back and that poor old man who is trapped in the hat. We still have yet to see him They're again. They're not working oh, to yeah. save him. They're just like, whatever. But there were some really interesting things on that clues board. We'll have some screenshots in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 181. But here are some of the interesting things I saw. Blue Fairies or Mother Superior's um, missing person report was there. And it said, first name, Rule. Last name, Gorm. <laughs> That's so Rule Gorm. Dumb. Yeah. Age unknown. Sorry, guys. <laughs> there was a sticky note that was near the house where the apprentice was sucked up into the hat. Uh-huh. Uh, like the sticky note was near the picture of that house. And the sticky right. note said, get this, mm-hmm. records said landlord is Yen Sid? Question mark. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah, it was on there. It stood out to me. Like when I watched it, I thought, what? Wait, did I see Yen Sid? Funny. And uh, some of the other things are, there are a couple sticky notes here and there that say, how did this relate to the original experiment? Huh? What original what? experiment? Yeah. And there are names mm-hmm. on some kind of, property search or record search peter lurie and emilia or emilia lurie and there's also a note that says the shape of the hat is an interdimensional coil an accelerator and then there's there's another spot where there's some note that says something about could they reverse the accelerator and there's a photo in different places so there are a lot of really cool things on that clues board Uh, That is pretty cool. That's kind of what our workflowy document looks like before a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How does this relate to this scene? (laughs) I think their props department has a lot of fun. I think they get given certain Easter eggs they're supposed to give us, and then they just go crazy with being smart Alex. Yeah. And by the way, Yen Sid, if you don't remember, Yen Sid is the name of the sorcerer in the Sorcerer's Apprentice portion of Disney's Fantasia. And Yen Sid was then the sorcerer that's been used several times through certain Disney properties like video games and such. And I am holding to my idea that the sorcerer that we hear referenced is Yen Sid. But as we'll discuss more later on, the author is apparently someone different. So I have to let go of the idea that Yen Sid is also the author, but Yen Sid is probably the sorcerer. Hmm. I think you're probably correct. Another thing I noticed about this scene or that I just wanted to note was that Hook looked like looked and felt and was acting so guilty about what he did, which is nice to see. I'm not saying I agree that he should feel guilty because he was not in control, but it's nice that he is that stressed about it. It kind of really shows how far he's come as a character. Yeah, that's true. In New York City, I think it was hilarious to see Rumpelstiltskin, Mr. Gold, (laughs) Hanging out like a bachelor in a bathrobe. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Ursula have this whole living the dream thing going on. They're sort of scraping by. She's at work all day and he's just... He just hangs out on the internet at home. That magic box. The magic box. (laughs) I think he just uses the microwave all day. (laughs) But his power extends far beyond ramen noodles. (laughs) 
Yeah, I got several tweets from people like, they mentioned you in <laughs> Once Upon a Time. Since on Twitter, I'm the Roman Noodle, and that's the name of our comedy podcast. So now speakers are enchanted boxes and computers are magic boxes. Everything's <laughs> some kind of a magic box to them, but only sometimes. Well, when you're from the enchanted forest. True. It is cool that all this time he's been working his, quote, magic, unquote, mm. on the internet, posing as an Oxford professor in order to intercept this email, or however he was able to intercept the email from Mary Margaret. Wait a minute. Or from Belle, I'm sorry. So let me get this straight. Rumpelstiltskin, <laughs> in our world, without mm-hmm. magic, mm-hmm. give him a little bit of time, and he's basically a troll. Yeah. <laughs> he's eating ramen noodles in his bathrobe in a dumpy apartment in new york pretending to be someone else on the internet crashing on someone's couch consuming all of their resources (laughs) he's like a teenager (laughs) he just needs an xbox yeah i'm sure he's been playing minecraft too (laughs) when they go to great neck long island They find Cruella Feinberg, and it looks, my interpretation of what's going on there is that Cruella was with this guy, maybe married to this guy, and the guy she was married to committed some major crime, a lot of theft, because it looked like Cruella was being evicted, and (laughs) since she said of her coach, no, this was mine before, Mm -hmm. so she had that before whatever crimes that gave her all of these possessions right that and the car yeah it was some kind of a strange thing like maybe he was a con artist or something like that or maybe she's the con artist but she framed him oh maybe maybe didn't go too well though we do know that she likes to do stuff like that based on the non-animated disney the real life action disney movie of the 101 dalmatians she had some guys working for her that ended up taking the heat yeah hmm Rumpel, I think, answered a little question we've kind of had in our minds. But there is magic in this world. You just have to know where to look. Maybe he's found some of that magic. I... And that was what enabled him to do some of the things he's done. Did he not launch right into talking about Storybrooke from that statement? Well, that was, yeah, leading into... I think it was his grandiose proposition to them of going to Storybrooke. Okay, yeah, I get Well, we do know there have been occurrences of magic outside of Storybrooke, like, sorry to remind you guys, (laughs) the dragon. The dragon. Oh, that was season two. (laughs) (laughs) But also like Emma being able to use her ability to know when someone's lying. That's magic. No, it's not. And she was able to use that outside of Storybrooke. That's just an Emma thing. But Well, and in- Ingrid seemed to think <laughs> that Emma could use magic outside of Storybrooke when she stood her in front of a moving vehicle. Oh, that's yeah. true. Oh, Ingrid. Oh. <laughs> I miss her. <laughs> and speaking of Ingrid, she was able to use, a lot of people were able to use the scroll that had magical powers outside of the town. That has magic. It's very convenient. It's convenient is what that is. So a magical item <laughs> allows them to see and enter the magical town of hope and wonder. <laughs> Hold on to your kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Rumble's whole, uh, are you tired of feeling ordinary? That's like such an uplifting thing to say, but not to two villains or three vi- uh, two villains who are just trying to become more villainish. Like, that's kind of something you say, like, 
when you're trying to like pet people up to do stuff they're afraid of or something. Not it just it was a cliche used incorrectly to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember our theorizing that Cruella was ordinary and what is she doing in Enchanted Forest? Well, now we know that, yeah, she does have magic. Yeah, we just can't explain the furs. <laughs> well, there's animals in the Enchanted Forest. Yes, but she has a very vogue sense of style. <laughs> well, she's probably from fictional London. Probably. It, it is green. Maybe she met Peter Pan at some point. Hmm. Oh, geez. I loved seeing them all going through Mr. Cluck's drive through <laughs> and a great Lost reference there. Because I don't remember if we said this in the initial reactions, but Mr. Cluck's was the chicken... Jeremy, correct me. On this. Or you tell me. You're the one that like lost I tell you. Yeah. It, uh, well, you actually reminded me and we did talk about it in the initial reaction. It's, um, it was Hugo's chicken restaurant that chain. He started or yeah. he bought it? I, he worked at it and then didn't he quit when he won the lottery? He bought it. Yes. Yeah. Bought. You it. are correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So neat little reference there. Inside the car though. <laughs> Rumpel said some really interesting things. His book Harness is a great power, one that exceeds anything we've ever experienced, giving villains and heroes what he deems just desserts. Our collective frustrations, they're because of his will, not our missteps. I don't like that. They are, yeah, giving this author a lot of power, and it brings into question all kinds of things like free will and stuff. I thought Rumpel was against that idea originally last year. Originally, yes, he even told Regina that he was making his own happy endings until his happy ending was stolen from him because oh. he messed up and you know he had this dirty secret that finally came out. And then I think he's just realizing that, hmm, yeah, Regina's probably right. Villains don't get happy endings, and it seems because it's written into this book like this. This just frustrates me. With a series like this where you can so clearly see cause and effect... It kind of drives me nuts that someone's saying like, nope, it's just because some random author guy decided that this is what my life is going to be. Like cause and effect for Rumpel, you lied to your wife for months and betrayed her trust and betrayed her (laughs) and mistreated her and blah, 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 blah. And so she evicted you from town with the dagger that you gave her and lied about too. Well, like. That's cause and effect. That's not mm. some author deciding that right. Bell's suddenly going to dislike him. They could come down on one side of the issue or the other, but these are some of the writers who helped give us the sort of coexistence of choice versus fate in Lost. Well, I have not finished watching Lost yet. <laughs> Just a concept, not a spoiler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if it's, this is really far stretching, but I wonder if it's something like the author is so powerful that when he writes, he creates the world. <laughs> well, that would be a little different than what I just It'd said. Be more like a little bit like a video game. A little bit. A little bit. And an even better book. Video game. That just kind of made me think, though, of a never-ending story where the kid reading the book actually was the one with the power to finish the story. Yeah, there's a just modern saying. movie kind of like that, too. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the person was called silver tongue and they could make the words or the story that they told be real. I wish I could remember the name of the movie, but it's a a family movie. It was kind of a fun movie, but Rumpel is certain or fairly certain that the author is in Storybrooke. 
And some of the other things and something that Blue Fairy said also makes it sound like the sorcerer is in Storybrooke too. So if these characters are in Storybrooke already, I think that starts to answer certain things, especially if the author is in Storybrooke. It possibly answers things about or answers questions like, how did the book end up in Henry's possession? Maybe the author is basically watching, making a list to see who's been naughty and nice. And he gave the book to Henry because he could see Henry needed it. And by gave the book to Henry, you mean snuck creepily into Snow White's closet. Yeah. And put it there. And the same thing like with putting that one page inside of Robin's backpack. Creepy. Maybe that's because the author has been watching and he just Always wanted to confirm something. watching. I just discovered who the author is. Or maybe the sorcerer <laughs> is the one who's watching and steals these books and puts them in these places. By the way, that movie uh, that I mentioned, Inkheart. Thank you, chat room. It was uh, Jasmine pointed that out. Thank you huh. very much. Inkheart is the name of that fun movie. So the author and the sorcerer are in Storybook. I think this could be a very interesting fourth season. They're just out in the woods somewhere fighting. Season 4.5, good versus evil in Storybrooke. That's new. (laughs) (laughs) What was Regina's comment? We're going to have to see what's lowering property values this week. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I mean, it's, it's great for me when they recognize that they've got a pattern and they just sort of acknowledge it. Yeah. Everybody knows what to do. They acknowledge that too. Yeah. Oh, you guys are getting really good at this. You would think they'd have a larger team by now in the town. Maybe some more citizens who also know what to do. Well, they sometimes have the dwarfs. That's and, true. You know, Red when she's not off doing other TV shows and <laughs> Granny when she's not babysitting with her crossbow. But no dwarf called evilly. No. Yeah. But it's cool to see the relationship or the friendship and camaraderie building between Emma and the mayor there in the mayor's office. <laughs> They're teaming up together, doing all this cool stuff, fighting crime. They BFFs. Well, the mayor and the sheriff should work <laughs> closely together. Not as closely as, as previously. The previous. But <laughs> oh, right. That took me a moment. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago. Season one kind of stuff. <laughs> But it uh, is Free the Fairies Day. Happy Free yeah. the Fairies Day. Actually, today, when we're recording this on March 4th, is Grammar Day. Because March 4th <laughs> is the only day in the year, well, one of the days in the year, that uh, forms a complete sentence. So that's why they dubbed this Grammar Day. Oh, March 4th. I didn't even know that. Oh, my goodness. It's spelled just a little bit differently. Yeah, don't get technical on it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah so happy Grammar Day and happy Free the Fairies Day. <laughs> there was some writing on the stone when they were actually freeing the fairies. And it was that true. same style of writing that we've seen several times before the old style uh, that has been in Frozen. It's It's basically like Hollywood's favorite old style writing that they use. <laughs> so I wonder. Maybe Elsa put that there. Yeah. Did they have to use a particular stone or did they carve it in or? They just skipped that part. But I like that they get ready. Regina's going to open the hat this time. She puts the dagger out and they're like, nah, this time we're going to just kind of show it from the side because we forgot how to do the CGI hat trick after we kind of exhausted it in the beginning of the season. We did it. We used up our entire budget for the year doing that 30,000 times. Um, so we're just going to do a big golden light whoosh. Is and they cool? also had to spend a lot of money on making the big creature. Well, that's yeah. true. There's just no time to get 
the hat right, even though they should be able to do it in their sleep by now. <laughs> Speaking of Regina using the dagger, though, did you notice how she interacted with it after using it? Well, she looked at it like, like I don't even know what, and then she kind of disregarded it. More than just looked at it, because I noticed that look too, but her hands were shaking after it and she tried to hide the shake yeah at first i just thought like oh she's cold like that was actually (laughs) lana puria was cold and shivering your friend it was really cold there that day so let's not totally discredit that theory it's it's prominent and they almost semi-focused on it i mean these are professional actors they're able to overcome things like that and overcome a shiver and do their job well and they do their job well so if something Mm -hmm. like that makes it in it's not a mistake the way that she looked at that dagger and with her hands shaking like that after Mm -hmm. they after she used the dagger and they showed it several times makes me wonder about her relationship now with this dagger and with this power that she used was it something that was just like whoa that took a lot of my strength or was it something like whoa this is addicting well it could be something that's going to be to prove to be foreshadowing, but it could have also been really, really short range foreshadowing in that, hey, well, actually not that short range, but it could have been like, hmm, that did more than it should have because they didn't know what was hidden in it, which was releasing the turnabout. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to call it what Rumpel called it. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be a plot point. I hope it is because of the neat little hidden thing there or not so hidden rumple's name is still on the dagger right yes it does still okay. say rumple still i didn't notice that but <laughs> i was afraid that was what she was looking at that the name on the dagger had changed or something i don't think we <laughs> saw her give the dagger back to bell i can't remember now but well, there would be a lot of people not giving things back in this episode so yeah. that wouldn't surprise me most likely <laughs> she did but it does make me wonder if maybe she's thinking oh i could control the dark one with this wherever he is yeah Yeah, come back to storybook (laughs) yeah i didn't really notice the shaking but i didn't watch as closely as you guys i guess i didn't notice shaking either the chat room noticed the shaking they were talking about it on sunday night i do recall that but daniel watches every episode 18 times frame by frame so not really and so he should (laughs) (laughs) just kidding but speaking of people not noticing things the freaking Chernabog came out and started roaring and whooshing wind around, and nobody noticed that it was around. And he did it like 10 feet from them. That's because it was oh. slightly off to the left. Oh, it's like <laughs> when they say, can I speak to you privately? And they just take a few steps. Yeah. <laughs> he was just awaking privately, I guess. Hollywood electricity is very slow, and sound <laughs> is very short range. And knocking but- someone out is super easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they were all excited. Speaking of knocking people out, you know what would knock us out in a good way and is really easy for you to do would be if you would vote for us in the podcast awards. We are very grateful that you have given so much support to nominate not only once podcast, but our other podcasts for finalists that we are in the finalist positions with several of our podcasts on Noodle Mix Network. See, there's more than just one podcast that we host. Some of the shows are hosted by other people, like uh, we have our TV show fan podcast for Resurrection, as well as for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And 
several of our podcasts are finalists in the awards. So under Best Produced, we have Once Podcast. Under Business, there's Beyond the To-Do List. Under General is The Productive Woman. Under Religion Inspiration is Are You Just Watching? And under Technology is The Audacity to Podcast. We would really be honored if you would show your support by voting for us every day in the podcast awards through March 24th. It is a daily thing. And it does help if you go and vote, but you really need to go and vote every single day. So please go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. You'll see a video there and I'll show you how you vote for the podcast as well as I have a list of other podcasts that we are voting for in other categories. Like one of our donators, Mark Stapleton, has a podcast that is in the finalist position in the podcast awards too. And I know him and I suggest that you vote for his show too. It's called Recovered Cast. And there's another list of shows that you could vote for in the awards in addition to ours. And it only takes you about a minute or two each day. So please go over to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to see how you can support us and sign up for the daily email reminders to remind you to vote every single day. And this is where, even though we don't have the biggest audience, if you are more awesome than someone else's audience, then you could win this award for us. So this is really all about how awesome you are, not about how awesome we are. You have been so awesome that you've put us in the finalist position. So thank you very much for your support. We still need your help. Please vote for us every day through March 24th. Go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. When the ladies of darkness are at the town line. (laughs) The ladies of darkness. Well, I can't, you know, realistically, I can't call them the queens of darkness as yeah. we discussed. They are more like ladies in the nobility sense, I suppose. <laughs> Castles and such. Yeah. No subjects to speak of. But Rumble took them there cleverly marked with his tie. Nice, nice little right. way to indicate it. it was, yeah, I guess nobody's been back to the town line except, you know, well, there was an ice wall, I guess that probably prevented them from going, huh, why is Rumpel's tie hanging from that tree? Maybe someone should get that. <laughs> well, he did that Seems like trouble. after the ice wall was gone, because that's when Bell pushed him, oh, commanded him yeah. to leave Storybrooke, which I know some people have questioned, how could he come back if she commanded him to leave and never return? That was a question I had as well. At least when he came back into the town, some thing should have kicked back in and said, no, nah, nah, you've been uh, you've been commanded. Because mm-hmm. did she she said never come back, did she not? Yeah, maybe it's something kind of like a reset that if he steps outside of town and comes back in, whatever (laughs) commands were given before he left have been fulfilled and don't apply anymore. (laughs) That's a technical workaround to maybe something they just overlooked Mm -hmm. in their writing. Maybe she didn't really mean it, and so it doesn't count. (laughs) Well, he still left, so. Well, but maybe she just didn't mean that part. Oh. (laughs) The never come back part. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> it could be. What I guess is maybe the more important part, if we can look past some strange questions like that, is, as <laughs> usual, uh, the acting. So Rumple, I loved how he's pretty empowered when he was being a troll. That was cool. He was pretty confident, like so many are on the internet. But now that he's out in the real world but without magic he's kind of speaking with fear and even though these two that he's with they're just normal women too albeit with kind of a gun and a mean kick but (laughs) but next thing you know he's actually on his knees groveling in front of them 
and even later he was sort of dejected and about to kind of like wander away up the road when they came back for him he needs them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well he needs he he never stops having a crutch as he's kind of pointed out he has a crutch for real outside and inside magic is his crutch yeah i didn't really like the gun thing i always hate when shows that are magical bring but it was bejeweled well of course it was (laughs) but like i hated the taser I guess I get it. Like this happened in Buffy as well. Like there's all this supernatural stuff happening and then it's really showing they're still human. They Mm -hmm. can still just be shot by a gun and killed. Well, but on that side of the town line, that was kind of the most powerful thing any of the three of them had was that gun. None of them had magic. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. But so it was okay there. If she pulled a gun in Storybrooke, it'd be a little strange. Maybe she should have pulled a taser. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Would work on him better than a wooden man. Yep. <laughs> hey, come on. Let's lay off season two. Uh, why did we? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Back at the diner, it seems like they're celebrating Free the Fairies Day with, I don't know, free drinks or something for the nuns. I don't quite get what they're doing there. <laughs> but Blue Fairy is clearly disturbed about something when they bring up the topic of the sorcerer. You try living in a hat for six weeks. Well, oh, you mean okay? I, she was brooding even before that. Yeah, and then before she, that. Yeah, but then when they mentioned the sorcerer, <laughs> that's when she seems like what the sorcerer? And she seemed scared of the sorcerer. Yeah, scared didn't quite cover it. It was sort of uh, hate, incredulous. <laughs> I think they have a past, a romantic yeah. past. Yes. She wasn't always a nun, people. I mean, do you remember her dress? She maybe wasn't always the fairy. (laughs) (laughs) But she also clarified that the author and the sorcerer are two very different people. And here's what I'm wondering, because she also said it's pointed out it's very strange that the sorcerer would have all of these books, blank books from the author. Yeah, but woman needs to spill. My guess is the sorcerer is wanting his own happy ending as well. He's an evil guy wanting his own happy ending, or could even be a girl, since they've opened that up in one episode, that wants their happy ending. And maybe that villain then has been trying to use the author to get to that happy ending. And part of that is kind of living vicariously through the written lives of others. Like maybe the sorcerer dictated that the author write the book the way that he did or maybe the sorcerer is trying to get the author to write his own book or maybe the sorcerer stole all of these books from the author and the sorcerer is trying to write his own happy ending whatever the case i think the sorcerer and the author might be enemies more likely frenemies yeah (laughs) close enough not really uh yeah well i thought blue seemed a little possibly even concerned that the sorcerer had the books, whether because of the safety of the author or because of what he could do with them, potentially, if he figured out how, I would just theorize that he doesn't know how to use them. She did say the book is very powerful. I wonder if we're going to see, because Henry would totally do this, and I probably would if I was in his position, grab a pen and write something in the book. See what happens. He has a history. Or take a wand, tap it to the book, and say, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Up to no <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe the book will talk back to him, like Tom Riddle's diary. Ooh, I hope not like that. <laughs> he could just write, and Regina the Evil Queen lived happily ever after, and just, just see what happens. 
that's what he's after. Like, is that not something old Henry would have totally tried by now? Or that it's kind of a, a thing, like the answer is inside you. We are all authors of the book. Maybe that's the thing, <laughs> is that Regina has to write her own story into the book. After all, August wrote his story into the book. Yeah. I was just going to bring August up and ask him, ask about that. Do we like, do we think that August knew the author? Ooh, good Because question. he, like, he even had the right size paper. Yeah. So he was <laughs> inserting pages into the book. He didn't necessarily pen them. Right. Oh, wait. Yeah. He, wasn't he take, putting pages in the book that he took out? Right. He stole Henry's book and then he added his own story into he added the book. pages right. but i don't remember now i don't remember an indication that he had removed them at any point or that they had been removed yeah. right they weren't removed he added his own story in and henry noticed that so yeah maybe august knew the author and that's how august knew all of these things like how neil was balefire and how to find storybrook and all of this stuff that yeah. could make cool sense. And, oh, if that's the case, then it would make me think maybe we'll get to see August, like adult August again. In a flashback. Yeah, some kind of flashback. Yeah. So we get to see more about how the author worked his magic. <laughs> that could be really cool. Yeah. Like, okay, little August does not remember anything, we right? We generally call him Pinocchio. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> The redheaded kid. <laughs> Jacob Davies. Mm. Right. He doesn't remember. Okay. So they couldn't like go grill him about it. Yeah. Because how really how terrible would it be to have a child who remembers such a troubled adulthood? <laughs> True. As his own life. When the ladies of darkness called in with their really bad acting, it just made me think, can't Regina hear... How disingenuous this sounds. Yeah, I think. I mean, she was pretty suspicious anyway. Her how convenient comment. Yeah. Just in case you were as confused as we were about a particular <laughs> line. There was the spot where they were talking about the uh, Chernabog over the phone. And Emma put her hand on the phone and said, they've been living in a land without magic. How could they do it? And then she had this notice of realization or this look of realization and said, it's the hat. Just in case you were as confused as we were, <laughs> because I think all of us were confused about that. Mm -hmm. It was that initially it seemed like Regina was accusing Ursula and Cruella of bringing Chernabog. And that's why Emma was saying, but how could they do it? They're, they've been in a land without magic. And that part made sense. Yeah. And then her, her saying, it's the hat. And Regina says, I know. Like Regina kind of giving up the fact yeah. that, yeah, it's probably not them. It was as though the words made sense and the tone did not. Right. <laughs> so that, in case you were as confused as we were, that's how that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I had to rewatch that several times. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that was as confused as that. No, I remember on first watch, I felt like I had not been paying attention. And when you replayed it for us this time, I, yeah, I was equally confused. When Emma and Regina team up then with this new information from Ursula that 
the Chernabog goes after the one with a heart with the greatest potential for darkness. <laughs> it's such a mouthful. They're going to have to find so a way specific. to shorten that. Yeah. Well, unless he's just, well, he's gone, so they don't really have to talk about it anymore. They go through this whole process, which was, you know, great. I could see it coming that Chernabog was actually after Emma. Well, yeah. Because it's, you know, a logical twist of things. Why see Regina struggle with darkness again? Haven't we seen that enough times? Let's see someone else struggle with darkness. <laughs> when all of this happens and they're right about to then let Ursula and Cruella in, Snow and Charming come up and they are truly out of character as they're basically saying, no, don't let them in. They don't deserve a second chance and all of this stuff. And because they were both in on that, and remember when Emma called Mary Margaret and said, this is what we're going to do, Emma hung up. And she said, uh, this is what's happening. Charming said, why aren't you smiling then? That's when Mary Margaret said, because Ursula and Cruella are there. And then they gave each other those deadpan looks that they yeah. tend to give. Knowing yeah. looks. <laughs> and the way that later in the episode that they interact, I mean, we'll just kind of address this topic here, even though it bounces around a bit. The way they interacted with Emma and Regina there at the town line just before they let in Ursula and Cruella and the way that they interact with Ursula and Cruella later makes me think that this is something that's between both of the Charmings and Ursula and Cruella, not just Snow White. Right. Because I could see if it was just Snow White, then what David, if he was being true to character, what David would be doing is saying, Snow, I don't think you need to be concerned about this. Give them a chance. <laughs> you know, All of the stuff that he would be trying to convince yeah. her, mm -hmm. no, let's let them try. But here he's seems to be fully supportive of it. And so it's making me think this is something that happened since they've been together. Yeah. So more flashbacks that will explain that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I wonder if it does have something to do. They are very worried about Emma finding out. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with Emma in some way. I can't think of a way. I'm not great at that part, but it. <laughs> It seems like because that the timeline would kind of match up too. So for Ursula and Cruella to be around kind of following the last episode where Belle was around as well with Rumpel and the flashbacks, that would maybe be the same kind of time that they were thinking about having a baby or pregnant with Emma or something in that timeline in Enchanted Forest. So I don't know. I wonder if it does have something to do with Emma specifically. That would make her disappointed in them or angry at them or something. Feel unloved. <laughs> well, it better make not make us feel that way. It could also just be something like, we don't want our family to know, especially not yeah. our family. But it does, since they did single Emma out, it does sound like it's something that, yeah, is connected to Emma. They just better not pull a squid ink. <laughs> or Well, they are dealing with the sea witch here. Oh. Well, oh. I didn't mean literally, but now that you mention it, I mean, the history of the show should be the history of the show. I hope they don't mar it with something that is clearly an add-on and an afterthought. But there is a lot of time between Snow and Charming's real wedding, where Ruth was there and they Snow found out she was going to have a baby. And her actually having Emma. Like, there's a big space, I think, in between those two things. 
Well, it wasn't she found out she was having a baby. Like, she wasn't pregnant. No, it was, that she could have a baby. Like, that that curse that King uh, Spencer put on her was broken. King George. King yeah. George. So there is, it's not necessarily going to change the history. It might just embellish it as the show tends to do. So back at the town line then, you know, Rumpel could have just hidden in the trunk of the car. I thought that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's although Jeez. maybe it was something like if he didn't look at the scroll, if he didn't see the scroll, he wouldn't have been allowed in. So they drive through the town border and then he pops out the trunk because he can't go through the Does border. he pop out the trunk or does he become a pancake and ooze out the trunk? I don't trunk? think they would have had enough budget left for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand how the scroll works, I suppose. Yeah. So it did seem like if they looked at it. And then looked at the line. Yeah, it's reading the scroll or maybe just looking at the scroll opens your eyes to the town. Remember when the Snow Queen had it, she was out in the middle of nowhere, which is where Storybrooke is. She looked at the scroll and then looked up and suddenly she's in Storybrooke. The scroll, we had different ideas about that back then. We thought maybe it either transported her to Storybrooke or it revealed Storybrooke to her. Now we know uh, yeah, it, was it revealed ladder. Storybrooke to her and it allowed her kind of like to cross dimensions. It's an interdimensional <laughs> portal because the scroll is shaped like a cone. No. <laughs> it's probably written with squidding. Let's face it. Yeah. That's <sighs> it all comes back to squidding. <sighs> was anyone actually feeling sorry for Rumple in this scene? I was just wondering. Yeah. A little bit. That's what this show does to people. It made me even wonder how long were Ursula and Cruella on the other side of that line, just watching him there, (laughs) like to see what does he do. And then when they see him start to tear up and walk away, they feel pity too. And they decide, yeah, let's go ahead and let him in. Robert Carlyle does a great, I'm so sad, please pity me actor moments. So... I almost did, but then I remembered he's Rumpelstiltskin and he's a jerk. (laughs) And he's back. Oh, Oh, goodness. He's something. Before we talk about this last little bit here, I want to thank some people who left some kind reviews for us on iTunes by going to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Max the Dog 5 said, So good, even a troll would love it. This is a great little show that sprays charm all over the audience. (laughs) It's a fun, insightful, and brilliant. And starts with AJ said this, and this is just an excerpt of the full review. We'll have a link to that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 181. But it starts with AJ said, After listening to all of their discussions on the current season, I intend to rewatch Once Upon a Time and listen to their podcast from the beginning as I do so. Their podcast is informative, insightful, and just the right amount of humor. Now, this part, (laughs) this praises me, but I'm reading this because when I read this, I laughed out loud at this. And I think you will too, because this is just really funny, but I really appreciate the the compliment here. (laughs) Plus, Daniel J. Lewis has a voice that is perfect for radio. It kind of reminds me of the way someone like Ira Glass from This American Life speaks, where his voice alone pulls you in and makes you want to hear what he has to say from the second he opens his mouth. (laughs) Not that the others, Jenny, Aaron, and uh, others, I believe, don't sound good as well, 
Their voices work well with his, and all three seem to have great chemistry. <laughs> so, thank you. Oh, that made me laugh a lot today and put a big smile on my face, and that was fun. Thank you. Starts with AJ and Max the Dog 5 for those kind reviews. When you review us on iTunes or on Stitcher, it really encourages us. It puts smiles on our faces like this. You don't have to praise our radio voices or anything like that. Just an honest review, even if it's not five stars. It doesn't hurt. (laughs) An honest review. It would be greatly appreciated. It encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast too. So if you'd like to write a review and haven't yet, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And that's also where you can subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. But most likely, if you're listening this far into the episode, you've subscribed already. <laughs> These are the survivors we're talking to now. <laughs> Ooh. Rumpel now has this plan that as he's in Storybrooke, he's kind of doing what Cora did back in season two, where Cora was behind the scenes, the secret person that was in town manipulating the situation and waiting for that moment to reveal herself when the people had been weakened and conditioned to just the right point. It seems like Rumpel is now taking on a similar role where he is manipulating or going to manipulate behind the scenes as Cruella and Ursula do this fake repentance thing and making friends (laughs) and all of that stuff. But really Rumpel's not really (laughs) pulling any strings in his own opinion because there's some author guy who's really doing all of that. Just pointing that out. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true it's like everything is against him at some point i wonder if ursula feels like she's in need of a few more hands (laughs) she's probably been living like that for a while well yeah but do you ever get used to a thing like that think about how old she is so they're going to resurrect maleficent or something in some way rumpel said that she's not fully dead princess bride reference there maybe (laughs) So I wonder, how are they going to do that? Reverse taser. <laughs> Jeez. But I, Squidding. It'll be cool to see Maleficent back. And which way is she going to look? Is she going to look like Once Upon a Time Maleficent or like Angelina Jolie Maleficent or Maleficent? Stop. <laughs> Don't say. No, I, how, you know, yeah. she's going to. Do you think, though, that they have made that costume change indicative of a change in her character or of a time frame or do they just go hey this is a way maleficent has looked let's put her in this today kind of the way they did with uh with elsa they're like here she is post let it go (laughs) Uh, but here even though time wise yeah it's after all that she sometimes still wears her old clothes and her old hairstyle i'm thinking it's a difference between pre and post sleeping beauty that everything we've seen, this new style that I keep calling Angelina Jolie Maleficent, <laughs> which is really based on the original Disney. Right. Uh, I'm thinking that is before Sleeping Beauty. The Maleficent we've seen before, back in season one, looked more broken and not so kept up style-wise. <laughs> and <laughs> sure. kept hair, even. So I'm thinking that this is... <laughs> If we see her now, uh, I have no idea which way she'll look in Storybrooke. Scaly, charred. <laughs> yeah, will she be a dragon? Bloated. There may be dragons. That story too, the Maleficent story is one that we kind of always wanted and never really got back in season one. And then again in season two when Aurora was introduced as Sleeping Beauty. But then it was maybe about her mom and 
like there's a lot of things in that story that they could embellish upon as well. And Aurora has made guest appearances this season. She has a baby and perhaps they can actually shed some light on that storyline as well. And if they're going to, I think this would be a good season to do that. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it didn't really fit that much in past seasons, even though we did have a lot of time with Aurora. But I think here it does fit a lot more since we would be getting the villain's backstory. Aurora Jr. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, but that also goes with the Disney movie where she was really taking it out on the Angelina Jolie movie. She was taking out her frustration on Aurora as the daughter of the person who really did her wrong. Right. Yeah. Presumably. Because it seems like, yeah, she's been after the whole family the whole time. We got some feedback in from a few listeners. Michael sent us some background on Chernabog, not just in terms of Fantasia, but pointed out that this has been in Slavic mythology for many, many years. And uh, the name actually means black god. And that's why I think we see him as black like that. And it has a a brother that's called Bielbog, Bielobog, which means white god and is a figure of light and goodness. Interesting thing. Thanks, Michael, for the background there. (laughs) Jessica Olson sent us a couple emails, and one of them, she said, uh, it's some thoughts on the sorcerer and the author. She said, I hope the hidden clues that the author left aren't hidden Mickeys, but that is totally what I thought of when Blue said something about the clues. I thought of that, too. That's great. (laughs) Follow the Mickeys. (laughs) Blue does seem to be nervous about the sorcerer and kind of surprised or almost scared that they wanted to find him. I thought it was interesting that Blue said it could be a she. I hadn't really thought about it before, but it's interesting to think about. I'll put a side note here. We have seen Jack, the giant killer, be a girl. We've seen gender switched in other roles before Mm -hmm. with characters. Since the books belonging to the author are found in the sorcerer's house, that makes me think they at least know each other, if not work together. It would be really interesting if the author was the sorcerer's wife. Oh, Hmm. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Or had been. Yeah. About the relationship between the Charmings and Ursula and Cruella, Jessica also said it had to have happened sometime before Charming and Snow were married or while Snow was pregnant with Emma. It could be that they made some sort of sketchy deal with them. I don't really know what would need to be such a secret that would cause Snow to threaten to rip out their hearts. But my guess is that it would have to do with either protecting Emma or defeating the evil queen back in the enchanted forest great ideas there jessica and thanks to our other listeners who sent in feedback we really appreciate that and we've incorporated some of that throughout this sorry we couldn't incorporate everything and read everyone's messages but we'd love for you to be part of this and continue the conversation you can comment on the things that we've shared in this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 181 Or you can start your own conversations over in the forums at oncepodcast.com. There are all kinds of ways to subscribe to the podcast, follow us, connect with us, participate in the conversation, send your feedback. It's all at oncepodcast.com. So if you don't remember anything else, that's where you need to go, oncepodcast.com, to get that information, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review us in iTunes, get the show notes, the screenshots that we mentioned, everything like that. The one other thing I love for you to do is please vote for us every day through March 24th in the podcast awards. Go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. You can connect with us on social networks like Twitter at once podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the ramen noodle. 
I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. So special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with the screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J managing and moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline co-hosting this podcast. And until next time, worry not... My power extends far beyond ramen noodles. <laughs> I have to say that one. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. We have Season 4, Episode 13, Unforgiven. David and Mary Margaret suspect Cruella and Ursula have come to Storybrooke looking for something more than their own happy endings, something that will threaten to reveal a secret they thought was long buried. Emma begins her own investigation of Cruella and Ursula, but she can't shake the feeling that her friends and family are keeping something from her. Regina and Henry continue their search for the author, turning to Pinocchio and Marco in the hope Pinocchio might remember a clue that will help them. Meanwhile, in a flashback to fairy tale land, Snow and Charming cross paths with the Queens of Darkness as the threat of evil Queen's dark curse hangs over them. A lot going on. A lot going on. <laughs> Guest stars we have, and I know I'm really bad with names, Tony Adamdola, who's Marco, Beverly Elliott as Granny, and then we've got Ursula, Cruella, Sleepy's back, and then we have Jacob Davies as Pinocchio. And we will get to see Maleficent again. We also got two promos this week. We got an American and we got a Canadian. Yes. We'll start with the American. Oh, we forgot to mention. Hold on. This one's written by Andrew Chambliss and Kalinda Vasquez. And it's directed by Adam Horowitz. That's right. This is Adam's episode. I forgot about that. Yes. That's why I'm like, wait, we need to mention this. This is a good thing. Yep. This is Adam's first time behind the camera as the director for any show. Mm -hmm. So best of luck, Adam. That's so exciting. Um, we did get two promos this week, one from Canada and then the American. The American, you know, seems pretty typical. Maleficent really seems to be at the forefront, especially with her, some sort of relationship with Snow and Charming. Yes. Obviously they're going to be hyping up this secret that Snow and Charming are keeping from everybody. Yes. And we see a dragon. We do see a dragon. And then it looks like Maleficent will be threatening baby Neil. Well, it depends. If you see it in the American promo, that's exactly what it looks like. But in the Canadian promo, yes. to me, it looks different. It looks like Snow is dreaming. That's what I thought. And it looks like a whole Sleeping Beauty-esque scene. And it, it sounds like the Queens of Darkness are going to be trying to resurrect Maleficent. Yes. Um, who, the last time we saw her, was some sort of dragon zombie 
Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> something. <laughs> and it, okay, so we know that the Charmings did something, and when it says in the Canadian promo, we hear that they are going to make them pay. So I guess it's the Queens of Darkness are going to make the Charmings pay. And rumples with them in the mines, looking for the ashes of Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they get cursed to sleep somehow. And Rumple's casting a spell, and he hands a knife off to a black glove, which I'm going to guess is Cruella. Yes, as if uh, she has to do something with this knife to bring Maleficent back to life, maybe. Like a blood sacrifice, like cut your hand, drip the blood over. I don't know. but That's that's what I'm thinking. Some kind of blood sacrifice. Yes. And then ABC was kind enough to release two clips from this one. Yes. Do you want to talk about them? So in the first one, it's in present day Storybrooke. And it's between Charming and Snow. And Charming has an object that's like a totem from Maleficent. And it kind of looks like her little orb that she carries on the staff. Yes. And they are talking about how Cruella and Ursula want to resurrect Maleficent and how they cannot let that happen because of the secret that happened. Mm-hmm. And so they have to try and stop her or them. And they want to toss her into the harbor so they're gonna yes. they're gonna go look for the ashes and toss the ashes into the harbor yeah because you know that'll just lead to good luck here on the show oh oh yeah i'm sure that won't have <laughs> any kind of bad repercussions whatsoever and then the second clip that we got from abc is in the past and this takes place during snow and charming's honeymoon so if you remember back to season three they went on their honeymoon and they faced down the medusa monster mm-hmm So this, I believe, takes place after Medusa. Snow is still worried about Regina's threat and the dark curse that is coming. So they set off to find something that might help them, and they come across Maleficent. They went back to their castle. They went back to the castle, and they come across Maleficent, who Charming faced at the very end of season one as a dragon. Yeah, and pretty much they want to make a deal with the Charmings. Yeah, so it's not the other way around. It's not the Charmings seeking out the Queens of Darkness, but the Queens of Darkness seem to have sought out the Charmings. And then it automatically cuts to the Charmings sitting at Granny's. Yeah. We got a little bit of fun on that one. Mm-hmm. Then we got some wonderful set photos, Charming and Snow in the Mines. That didn't really show much, except they had a really big backpack to just go below the town. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that wasn't just me. And then we see a lot, a lot of the photos were in Regina's office and it's her spending time with Henry with the book. And we see Pinocchio and Geppetto and Emma. So it looks like they're trying to figure out more about the book. Yeah. And the question is whether or not young Pinocchio will remember anything. And is it just me or does Henry look so much older in these photos? He looks so old. Jared just like, sprung up overnight or something because he he's looking quite quite old yeah he's sitting at the desk and he's got his hands folded like he's some big businessman like i looked at these photos i'm like isn't he supposed to be in junior high yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so um there's a couple articles actually if you go online you see there's a lot of articles with adam and eddie answering people's questions and they said at the end of this episode rumple is set on a new quest that he's really energized about we will get to see maleficent in full dragon fiery glory mm-hmm. people were asking about bell and what's going to be happening with bell and she's making it a point to keep the library going and the pawn shop 
And she even invites a wonderful new friend to be her guest at the shop. Yeah, and this is most likely Will Scarlet. Yes, there's lots out there with the two of them. Yeah, there have been, when they were filming this episode, there were pictures of Belle and Will together. And in a recent article from TV Line, Adam and Eddie have teased that, you know, Belle is looking to move on and Will is also looking to move on from whatever happened with Anastasia. So there is a new ship on the horizon and it's going to be Will and Belle. I don't know how long it'll last, but... It, it does look like they are going full ahead with that one. To me, it just seems a little odd, but that's just me. I don't know. I'm torn because on the one hand, I really, really need them to not split up Will and Anastasia because I ended up loving those two. <laughs> but at the other time, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not really shipping Rumbell anymore. So yeah, I would be happy if Belle kind of moved on. Yes. So we did get some fun casting news this week. Well, in the past, like, month since we've been on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, how long has it been? It's been, like, a month. We do have returning as Cora, Barbara Hershey. So that's one of our fun, exciting ones. Yeah, and she's going to be making an appearance in episode 420, which is a, quite a bit down the road, we know. But it is exciting. Yes. And then we have Agnes Bruckner. She's a three-episode guest arc. There's no other info that was official, if you want to know where she's been lately, she was on Lifetime's Anna Nicole Smith. I don't think but. there's much of a doubt as to who she's playing. It was announced that she would be coming right around the time that we got a specific episode title. And based on the episode title and then also how she looks on set, because we have seen photos from her filming in Steveston. I'm going to go ahead and say it. She's Lily. <laughs> she's an adult Lily. I, I don't think there's much doubt about it. Yeah. Going on with episode titles, we got three new ones since we've last talked. 418 is Sympathy for the DeVille. It's going to be written by, or it is written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz. So I'm going to guess we learn a bit more about Corella DeVille. <laughs> yeah. Episode 419, which is the first episode that Agnes Bruckner will be appearing in, is titled Lily and is written by Andrew Chambliss and Dana Horgan. And then episode 420 is called Mother, and it's written by Jane Espenson. Okay, like I said, we got a lot of interviews with little tidbits and things that are going to be coming up throughout. So I'll just, I know I have a couple, I know you have a couple, so we can just read some of them off. Just a little bit of spoilery things for you. Like Half of these, I don't know when they're going to happen. Right. They just say, this season, and if I do give you an episode title, people, there are two different episode numbers going around for every episode. So it could be the current one we're talking about, or it could be another one. I'm just putting that out there. Episode 14, it looks like we're going to get a flashback of Regina and Maleficent and how they first met and became friends. In 15, is going to have Herc and Ursula, and we'll get to see their past, because they have a past, and it's the origin of Ursula, and it's soul-crushing. Yeah, um, it seems like we're going to be getting a look at Hook the Pirate again. Yes, um, very piratey is very what said. very piratey, and somehow he tangled with Ursula. For twenty, there's a surprise flashback concerning Regina and Maleficent, and then the, just some other little things. One of them, they were asking about Henry, and they say Henry might find love. They're not sure if it'll be this season, but there is a junior high dance in his future. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if the fairy godmother will come and do a whole Cinderella type thing. That'd be kind of funny. That would be cute. 
we do learn that characters are able to leave and return to Storybrooke, and there'll be a full episode of Robin Hood in New York City. Yes. That just sounds interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm, I want to see how he handles our world out there. Yeah, because he's always lived, like, either in Sherwood Forest or, like, in Storybrooke, where he could still live, like, in the forest. In the woods, yeah. Yeah. Um, we will meet the author at a certain point, and Adam Horowitz says the identity of who he or she is may be what their background is, something we do intend to reveal in the second half of the season, and they make it a major part of the second half of the season. Yeah. We will find that out. This half of the season, we get to see Oz, Sherwood Forest, and a few surprises. They wrote, there will be a death. I, they didn't say if it would be a major death or not. Someone always dies. I mean, come on. Yeah. We all know this season is probably going to end with Ursula, Cruella, and Maleficent dying. <laughs> At least one of them. Or getting turned into stone, or you know what it means, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so when we got the episode 420, this made this last little one I'm going to talk about really, like, stick in my mind. So 420 is called Mother. And then someone asked if we would find out if Regina is pregnant. And Adam and Eddie are pleading the fifth which means we don't get any information, which they're not denying it, but they're not supporting it. Right. And that's kind of been a theory now for a while that Regina is going to be pregnant because we've had a six week time jump. Someone noted in this past episode being a bit of a finicky eater. Mm -hmm. So I think it's possible that she's pregnant. Which would be cute. It'll be interesting. Interesting, but it's cute. I mean, it's Robin and I'm sorry. I like that couple. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Check back next week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. Mm-hmm.